0: Almighty God, Almighty Father, we thank you and praise you tonight that here in this place you are honored, and that tonight we recognize, as you've so beautifully stated, your beloved Son, in whom you are well pleased. We honor Lord Jesus Christ, your presence in your church. And we thank you for the gift of the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. For not leaving us bereft or orphaned. And not just coming alongside, but changing us from within. You give us hope. You give us possibility. You give us everything we need in this life. And the promise that one day Oh, Lord, our Savior, we shall behold you face to face. Tonight, in this place, make it holy. Deepen our love for you. And let us feel your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. Good evening. I was quite moved by this uh, time of praise and time of worship. I know and realize that um, not many of us want to think of this moment, but there is coming a day when this and the things of this earth are going to pass away. And all that we have here and all that we know here is gone. And we stand before our Lord. That day, everything we're talking about in words this weekend will be known we will be standing in the kingdom of real love. Either to our conviction and condemnation or unto eternal life. It does not need to be explained because it is the very character of our God. To be in his presence is to be in the presence of real love. This culture is doing everything it can to teach us about love. Economy is built on this conversation. The culture knows nothing about this conversation because all of it has to do with the first relationship in the garden He made us in His image. He breathed in us life. He breathed in us God who is love, His character, which is love. And one day we shall know it again in its fullness. When our Lord got down on His knees to wash the disciples' feet, He was giving a physical picture of what he would do the next day on calvary he had come to serve and not be served he gave as much attention to each one so that that love was indistinguishable when he was done He said, one of you will betray me. And they didn't know which one. Because he loved them each to the end. John 13 says that that the way it begins is that Satan had already put it in the heart of Judas. And after the meal, Satan entered into Judas. And yet our Lord loved him and washed his feet like he did everybody else when they left the upper room all they could talk about is which of them was the greatest which of them is the first and he who is the first got down on his knees to wash he became last to teach those who want to be first that if you want to be first, you've got to be last. And so he gave us the mandatum, Monday, Thursday, the mandatum of John 13, 34, 35. I read it to you as it is in the ESV, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. What he has given to us changes us And when it changes us, we give it to somebody else. Would you open your right hand? Would you take out your left? Would you reach out to somebody next to you? God bless you. Go home. No, that's it. You just did it. That's it. That's everything. That's it. Bye-bye. No, that's everything. When we receive it, we are changed by it, and we're known we're changed by it because we give it, because we got it from the one who gave it to us. He made us different, and the way we're known, the mark of it, is that we do it. And every time we do it, we know we're his. It's the mark of being a Christian. The ought to love one another is the simplest ought in the world because we are made new by him. That's how it works. We're made new by him. When this begins to work inside of us, everything changes. He teaches us how to do relationships together. How many of you know it's easier to walk with Jesus alone Everybody else messes it up for me. The way we learn about him is when we do it with each other. And the way we learn how to be effective in Winston-Salem or wherever we've come from tonight is that when we have it and we live it and we learn to live it, we've got something to give this world that that world is dying to hear. It's called the kingdom of real love. Because it's the God who is love, who showed us that love on Calvary's hill, who gives us that love and teaches us freely you've received, freely give. Matthew ten eight. Freely you've received, freely give. Because it's in the giving that we know that we've got what he's given. And we've got what he's given, we're changed by it, and we know it by the way we live. When the epistle of 1 John was written, Papa John, Papa, Papa John, nine times in the epistle of 1 John, he says, children or little children, he's Papa in the family. And, and what he does in the family is that something has happened and what's happened is that we who've come to know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior have gotten into the world, the flesh and the devil and the, the devil's desire is to divide us to break us, to hurt us. It's always been the way of the wolf on the outside to come in and hurt the flock or to dress up as a sheep, come in, wolf in sheep's clothing. And what does he do? He divides us. He breaks us. The epistle of 1 John was written based on the fact that suddenly things were bifurcating. They were were shifting and changing. So a new doctrine was adrift. I can love Jesus and hate you. Because you're messed up. If you don't know you're messed up, talk to me. (laughs) Who is not messed up, by the way. Fascinating how perfect I am. And how perfect you are. not It's just an amazing world. It's an amazing world. Aren't you like that? I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. Fascinating. Fascinating. And what happens is, is that we get this doctrine inside, is that we can love the Lord and be in broken relationships. We can love Jesus and be in broken We can love Jesus. We're fine with Jesus. He's fine with us. We're walking with the Lord and we're messed up with each other. And John, who's always seen as the pastor, he's always seen as the one. He's the kind one. Paul is the one that's hard to be with. John. Everybody, want, everybody wants to be with John. John says, if you love the Lord and hate your brother, you're a liar. How's that for Pastoring. John, John is going to dig deep. So, for example, in 1 John chapter 3, what you find, in, in, this is the epistle of John now. Papa John writing in the first epistle, 1 John chapter 3, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us. The world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. Something has happened to us. The Lord has come into our life. He's made a difference into our life. Something has gone on. And so consequently... chapter 3 verse 11 it says this and this is the message that we have heard from the beginning that we should love one another we should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother and why did he murder him because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous do not be surprised brothers that the world hates you we know that we have passed out of death into life how do we know this because we love one another. It's the mark of the Christian. It's how the whole thing works. Whoever does not love abides in death. I just skipped something, didn't I? I did. That we should love one another. Dropping down into, into verse Uh, into again verse 14 we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers whoever does not love abides in death everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know the murderer does not have eternal life abiding in him by this we know love he laid down his life for us You see how it's defined now. Look what our Lord has done. He has defined these things. He has gone to the cross of Calvary. He's gotten down on his knees like he did when he grabbed the foot and washed the foot. So our Lord has gone to Calvary. Why? Because he's come to show what real love is all about. I've come to bear it for you. I've come to bear your sins into mine. I've come to rescue you. I've come to love you. And that's why this whole thing is built on the the way we are with each other is always proportionate to how we are in the receiving of this love to us. Do you know how much he has loved you as a person? We know love by this. He laid down his life for us. My friends, that is the entirety of the gospel. This cross, this Calvary, that weekend, that resurrection of new life, to birth that life inside of us. And so in these few moments together, tonight and tomorrow, I want to, Erilyn and I want to share with you what is an eternal perspective on how to live the rest of our days in the purpose and plan of God for us. We are people of the kingdom of God. We are members of the kingdom of the beloved son. We belong to the kingdom of love. We have no right not to love because he has loved us. He has given himself. He has poured out his love into our lives. Something is different. We need to see different in how we are as a church, as a family, as Christians. And so, if you look at your first page, I'm going to bore you for a few minutes. I'm going to look at this. This is called, this is called um, literally allowing the Holy Spirit to build character into the Christian soul. And in this, I want to simply show you that tomorrow morning, um, what we're going to take up in session two, uh, Erlen will help us see that if it doesn't start with us, this real love impacting us. And it has to start there. The culture is teaching us and teaching our children a different kind of identity. And, and when this love changes us, it makes the impact. And then in the last session tomorrow, in session three, we're gonna actually look at how we can look at how First John helps us deal with broken relationships in, in very simple, powerful, basic terms. And come Sunday morning, we'll see how it is to affect our communities. The first page says, we hold to our Lord's command to make disciples as we preach the gospel in word and deed. Are you with me? And baptized, this is just the first page, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. It is here that we find the gospel administered by the Holy Spirit comes to change us and take us to that place where Bible and life meet. Too often, what we believe with our minds hasn't translated to our hearts or our conduct. This translation, our Lord calls discipleship. Take me to where Bible and life meet. Lord, make me real. I say this because as I deal with pastors especially, one of the things that happens to us is that we become, I'm sorry to say it this way, we become professional. Are you with me on this? What do I mean by that? Well, we learn the art of preaching. We learn the art of pastoring. We learn the the art of being an image to the people we learn to be not real does that make sense and so what ends up happening is that inside of inside of the mature christian or of the pastor what what ends up happening inside is that Is that we become the image out, and so the way I start in the in the devotional we wrote on real identity, I literally was I was taken down to the rescue mission uh, in the city of Bridgeport where we live in Connecticut, and uh, and we have addicts that the men I I was to do a men's Bible study, and and it was it was a Bible study where these guys have come off the street, they've they've had a horrible life, and now the Bible teacher comes in and. To be honest, I—that's what I do. That's what I do. Teach the Bible. So I, I and I had three points. It was a it, and they were all starting with the same letter. Sort of a Baptist approach, anyway. So. I was just getting, I was digging inside. I was having so much fun. And one of the guys just said, Pastor, could you could you just ask me one question? Could you answer me one question? What you're saying, where is that real in your life? I don't have that in my notes. Uh, <laughs> go away. <laughs> He was asking me where the testimony of that word was in my soul, not just in my head. He didn't want the principle of what is true. He wanted what is real. And I had to ask, do I want him to see me? We've got to get out of true Because it's true. Because we know it in the head. And ask the question, has he taken that which is true and made it real inside of us? In our tradition, we pray, Almighty God, unto you all hearts are open. All desires known. From you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of my... Wait, wait, wait. Thoughts of my heart. Cleanse the thoughts of my mind the thoughts of my heart, the whole of me, body, mind, heart, soul, cleanse me, the essence of me. What's being asked? I'm not interested in doing work that you haven't done. Are you doing this work? Because to be honest, and this is the gut instinct, that street is calling me back. And I need real principles in Jesus. I need to know Jesus Christ is real to me today. I mean real, that I can deal with the powers of evil that want me back on that street. For him, this was a life-death issue. It wasn't just a fun time on a Bible study. Does that make sense? And I would say to you that our culture is no different. It's just as addictive and getting more addictive. Isn't it? What this world is, be- and this generation coming up from behind us, what they are begging for is whether what we're doing and what we're saying is real in our life. And we're known in the testing. We're always known in the testing. We're not known just in the days of sunshine. We're known when, when the rubber hits the road, when the, when, the, when the things become hard. Who are we? What's our character? Is this Savior real to me? We are tested, my friends. Thank God we're tested. Don't you want what's real in your life? Wouldn't you like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that's real? That's real. And where is it going to be tested? It's going to be tested everywhere, but it's going to be tested in our relationships. Every time I get angry with you, it's being tested. Yes, it is. Even though I'm right, it's being tested. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. See, this is the whole point about this. And this is why we started digging into this conversation. And so what we began to do, as you can see, in 2010, we began a devotional series designed to bring the gospel alive through testimony. Where is the scripture alive in your life? How is the Lord making it real in how you make decisions and conduct your life in a manner worthy of his name? We start at the beginning in Genesis with real identity. Do we know who we are in Christ? If we do... If his love has pierced our heart and saved us, then we will do what he has told us to do. We will love one another just as he has loved us. This is the church. It's why real love, it's why real love, walking through the epistle of 1 John became our second devotional. A healthy church knows and loves the Lord and lives that love real and deep in the local body of Christ. When that real love is lived and experienced, we take that love to a lost world, which we call mercy, which the Bible calls mercy. We show mercy as we've been shown mercy. This is the theme of that third devotional coming out later this year. A healthy church is a missional church, making mercy real in word and deed. This is how we Christians are to be known in the world, generous in love and overflowing with mercy. In terms of the book, Real Love, as its text is 1 John, the key of this epistle is that relationships are everything in the kingdom of God. Have you noticed in the church today that we are more known for our division than our unity? Have you known that we split into so many denominations? People of the same faith, same Lord, same salvation in Jesus. Why do churches split? How can church leaders not talk to each other, be broken from each other? How can old Christian friends stop talking to each other? We are seen by the world as a divided people. Do you know why? Does it make sense to you? When our Lord returns, is he coming back for the Pentecostals only? That's what I want to know. Is he coming back for the Pentecostals only? I don't know. Do you know? Why are we broken? No, I'm not advocating. I'm not advocating. I am not advocating one church. That's, I think some people have tried to do that in the days past. I can tell you this. C.S. Lewis had it from the beginning. It's called "Mere Christianity." We all have a main hall. That's how the book opens. "Mere Christianity." You'll find it. He uses this image. There's a main hall where we are the bride of Christ. Now we have our distinctive rooms. Thank God, the Pentecostals are very loud. There's others of us that have so much order that we should actually get a little Pentecostal over here and a little order over here. Everything would be fine. It'll be called Anglicanism. Yes. Yes. I've shown my prejudice. At any rate, (laughs) the the key behind this, though, what C.S. Lewis is saying is, please go to your distinctive rooms. We have that in family, but the main hall is the main hall is the main hall. We who belong to Jesus belong together. In how we do Winston-Salem, in how we do mission, in how we do worship, don't you know this, that when you're down the street and you meet another Christian, you don't know what church they go to? If they belong to Jesus, they belong to you. Do you know that? Have you ever experienced that? Why is that? Because we belong in the same family. We're born in the kingdom of real love together by a Savior who's loved us. See, so the bottom line is, is that at the end of the day, something in the church and in the American church especially, but, but in our, especially in the first world context, something's wrong. Can we say that? Do, do you believe that? Something's wrong. We've got it, but we don't get it. Did you get that? <laughs> 1 John chapter 1 verse 3 look at this 1 John chapter 1 I just love the opening of 1 John that which was from the beginning what we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, what we've looked upon, what we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was manifest, we have seen, we testify, we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen, we have heard, we proclaim also to you, that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. Our fellowship, our fellowship is with Him, it's with the Father, it's with the Son. Your fellowship is with us. Relationships are everything in the kingdom of God. Why are they everything? Because relationship is everything in God. Upon the revelation of New Testament, all things now became known. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God from everlasting to everlasting. My dear friends, I, he never allowed us to understand the, the doctrine of the Trinity, but he, he says it from the beginning. He is community. Do you understand that? When he birthed us, he birthed us into community. Out of the man, he took the woman. And the one became two. And what did he do? He took the two and made them one and said this is my image we've always been this way when our Lord came to deal with the problem of sin how did he do it he did it relationally that's how he did it what do I mean by that I mean Bethlehem of course can you believe this does anybody ever get over Bethlehem How is this possible? How is Bethlehem possible? Our God robed in flesh. How is that possible? And not even in royalty. He came to us in poverty. Read the Matthew gospel, the Mark gospel, the Luke gospel, the John gospel. What do you find? Everything about our God is relational. Do you notice how he didn't pride himself over people? You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. What kind of God is this that we serve? He's come to love us. He's come relationally. If he's come relationally, how are we supposed to do church? Yeah. Yeah. And then to walk that path of Calvary. Can you see what he's doing? He's teaching us what love is all about. To give up his life for us. This is what John wants to ask us. It's all I want to ask you tonight and it's the hardest question of all. 1 John 3:16 By this we know love he laid down his life for us. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him how does God's love abide in his heart? Do you see what John just did? Do you see what John just did? He gave us a principle and that principle is very simple. The principle is Jesus Christ loved us so much he went to that cross for us. Receive that love. As he laid down his life for us, love each other the same way. Lay down your life for each other. And all of us get deer in the headlights eyes. Clearly, nobody in this room has done that for each other. Or you wouldn't be here. (laughs) How do we love each other? And so John makes it practical. Have you ever seen a brother in need? Have you ever seen a brother in need? Have you ever seen a sister in need? Yes, no? And closed your heart. How is it that this love that changed you is in you if you closed your heart? How's that possible? Go to your small groups. Think about this. <laughs> go on, discuss. You see the point? He's testing us. He wants this to be real inside of us. That's John. That's our papa. He's come to ask that question of us. If he's done this for you, do you know it? Has he saved you? Yes, he has. Did you close your heart to the brother in need? Yes, I did, and I'll tell you why. Three points, all starting with a B. You see, he's asking the question, how does eternal life, how does eternal of? how does the Holy Spirit abide in you if you close your heart? Now that's Paul's gift to us, Romans 5, 5. You'll find this in the remainder of, my, of, of this little opening piece of this. In Romans 5, 5, in the paragraph, about four paragraphs down, you'll find Romans 5, 5. Hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The love of God, say this with me, the love of God has been poured out into my heart by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Where is the love of God? I don't have to love you with my own flesh and strength even. Ha! He's giving me the ability to love your sorry face. And you have to love me. (laughs) Don't know if you caught the reverse on that. (laughs) So sorry. Going back to Connecticut on Sunday, so there you go. Do you understand the premise here? It isn't about it isn't about um, about doing something legalistically. This is not on stone tablets outside of us. This has been written upon the new heart in the kingdom of God. The love of God poured into us by the Holy Spirit. We are to love one another as he has loved us. Test it. Do you ever close your heart? Test it. Do you ever close your heart? And so, consequently, the challenge I fear upon the church and where I want to leave you today Are we at Christ church or in our churches, are we doing superficial love or are we doing sacrificial love? Have we been loved superficially or have we been loved sacrificially? Do you get that? I would like to read you Devotion 39 from this book. If you've got a copy of it, it's page 259. It's called One Kind Act. But whoever sees his brother in need and closes his heart, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before Him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Thad, you asked me to write my story and I agreed, but now I wish I hadn't. I can't find the words to describe most of what happened to me in those years. So I've decided to write what I can and leave it at that. My daughter, Christy, was killed by a drunk driver in July 1982. She was 19. She worked that summer as a waitress in a restaurant out in California with a bunch of her college friends. She finished up late one night, got in the car to head back to where she was staying and never made it home. Our phone rang a little past four in the morning. It felt like the earth opened its mouth and swallowed me alive. Every part of my life went into free fall, spiraling deep into a darkness I'd never known. Jules, my wife, did her best to hold our family together, but she was falling just as fast. We held each other, but we were light years apart. I couldn't handle my own pain, let alone hers. We did what we could, especially for the other children. They flew Christie's body back to Boston. The church was packed for the funeral. For three weeks, our home was filled with people coming and going food, friends, and our church family. And then one day, it was quiet. Everybody slid back into the routine of everyday life, and I kept falling deeper and deeper. Into the dark. The writer of this, Bucky, I met Bucky while on vacation in Maine in the summer of 2012. He and Jules had come up from Boston and were staying a few houses down from us. I saw him nearly every day as I walked our old English sheepdog past their house. At some point, I told him my brother was dying of cancer and I was not handling it well. I was scared. I didn't want to lose him. On top of that, in those days, I was not sure he knew Jesus. Yeah, I get that, Bucky said. Then to my surprise, he did the unforgettable. He gave me a glimpse into his own heart. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him and whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Bucky writes, I'm sorry to say this to you, my pastor and church family only added to my grief. I needed them to be with me in the pain, in the fall, in the dark, but they were not willing. They did a lot, mind you. They loved us, prayed for us, and were there for us anytime we had a need. They didn't mean to hurt us, but they did. They comforted us with a comfort that left us wanting. The pastor made the funeral joyful and happy he told us christy was in heaven with jesus now and she was in a far better place he said god decided he wanted her with him and though we miss her we're happy for her we're happy for god all of heaven is rejoicing now that christy is there he said if we surrendered our lives to jesus today we'd be happy too i felt like a dagger pierced my heart i fractured inside I put on a face and nodded my head. I, I acted like I believed that, but in truth, I did not. How could I? I'd lost my little girl. Was I to think God did this? He took her from us. He sent a drunk driver to violently end her life. All because he wants her with him and not with us? Is that the story, really? It made me plummet faster. I, I, I thought Jesus wept at the death of his friend. Was he not weeping with me? When we lost in those, when we when we're lost in the dark, didn't He promise to be with us? I didn't understand. The God I knew and the God they knew were they different? It had to be me. Something was wrong with me, and far worse, I was not sure about Christy. I was sure about our other kids, but not her. Did she really know Jesus in her heart? At the end of high school, at the beginning of college, I could tell she was struggling with her faith in God. She told me she believed, and then later she told me she didn't. I shared this with my pastor, but he brushed me off. He, he didn't want to hear it. He assured me, Christy was in heaven with Jesus, and I needed to trust that. You know for sure, I asked him. "'Absolutely,' he said, with a cheery smile and a pat on my back. I returned the smile and on the outside, but inside I died another death. If only I had the courage of Job in those days, I'd have told this pastor he was a worthless physician, doing more to condemn my soul than bring me an ounce of real comfort. Could he not see my despair? What if she didn't know him?' What then? Where would she be now? Could she be suffering in the fires of torment? I sought out other pastors, but they all said the same thing. None of them heard my fears. None wanted to be where I was. Relief came in the most unexpected way. I'd stopped praying altogether. We went to church for the sake of the family. I kept up the appearance, but my heart was cold and distant In some ways, I'd say I was prayed out. I'd asked all my questions. All I needed were some answers. But would he tell me? Would he let me know Christy was safe with him? All I got back was silence. Till one day I was driving to work. It was the strangest thing. I heard in my heart a voice as loud as if he were sitting right there in the car beside me. I didn't understand at first, confused me. Was this really the answer to my prayers? One kind act. All day, these words tumbled around in my head. I told Jules when I got home that night, I asked her what it meant. And as we were talking, the phone rang. I picked it up and heard the voice of an old friend calling from the ER. Their son was dead. We raced to the hospital to be with them. We held them. We cried with them. We stayed with them. We told them we'd be with them every step of the way. And out of my mouth, I said what I didn't know, what was inside me to say. The Lord is here. He will not leave us. And suddenly I knew what I'd known all along. Jesus had been there, falling with me, faster and faster with me in the dark and in the cold, in the despair and in the fears. He had never left. He had never turned away. There in the ER, weeping with our friends, my heart started to heal Jewels grabbed my hand. We were no longer light years apart. We linked arms with our friends and raced off the cliff into the dark with them. For we knew, as sure as life was in our lungs, that Jesus Christ, our Lord, would be with us, grieving with us, hurting with us, staying with us. And in that moment, all my questions were answered no, not the way I wanted, but more so. I trusted him. I trusted Jesus. Jules and I could go to him and leave Christie with him assured in our hearts because we were sure of him. He knows all things. He's greater than all things. And that's enough for us. Even when fear comes raging back and I wonder if Christy is really there in heaven with him, I do what he told me to do, one kind act. I find someone going through what I went through and come alongside. And every time I do, my heart heals a little more. And so it has again in meeting you, Bucky. Bucky. I choose sacrificial love, not superficial. What about you? Almighty God, Almighty Father, tonight we ask you to do a work inside of us as we go to our small groups, as we let you apply these things to our heart, to our lives. Change us. Teach us to love one another. We're going to just sit silent for the next two minutes. Just sit where you are and be still before the Lord and pray. Not long, but just for a minute. Just be with the Lord in prayer. And then I will release you to small groups.